welcome to the First Lutheran Church located at 512 South Kale Avenue in Miles City with pastoral services provided by Pastor Steve Rice. We thought we would just take a moment midsummer uh, to catch you all up. If you have been at all uh, uh, attentive, you notice that a lot of things have happened uh, around the church, not the least of which is the roof. Uh, but going on and extending uh, far beyond that, particularly in the preschool wing, a lot of activity out there. The city is nearly done paving the, uh, uh, the repaving the street uh, where the curbs were replaced, and the preschool replaced the sidewalks, and the preschool replaced the north wing door. A lot of stuff happening. Those are the visible things that are happening, uh, but many things are also happening uh, within the church, uh, uh, administratively and organizationally, and. Uh, while we don't define ourselves uh, as other organizations do, um, we rather uh, acknowledge that we are served by structures within the church, uh, and uh, those things help us to accomplish uh, that to which we are called by the gospel, our ministry, our mission. And so uh, I wanted to invite this morning, in place of the uh, brief order of confession and forgiveness, uh, to invite Blaine Watts, who is our congregational president this year, come up and just give you a word of update and information. Uh, a lot of good things happening, and then we will continue with our worship after that. Blaine. Yeah. Well, good morning, everybody. And as um, Pastor Rice um, said, I'm Blaine Watts, the congregation president. And I tell you, there's a lot of really good things going on and simple things like air conditioning. As everybody was walking in this morning, it seems like a, it was even a cooler morning. But as we walk into the sanctuary and notice that the AC is going good, it's a, it's a nice, comfortable place to be. A um, lot of great things. This is such a, a beautiful um, place that we have to come here and, and worship and serve and I think that we've done a really good job of you know attending to those things that we see that are maybe a little out of place or needed need fixed up and and for now a lot of those things been a leaky roof um, you know we have tiles that have to be replaced and 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 from the shingles getting destroyed and things like that by the way our our tiles came back asbestos free that is a really good thing for the church because now we don't have to replace all the tiles in order to repair these other things but you know using the analogy of the church as a physical building and things like that there are things going on in the denomination that you know i think we've been a little naive to as a congregation for a while and um we just want to talk about those things and have some open discussion about them. As we move forward, there are some forks in the road ahead of us that are, you know, they're going to happen whether or not we like them or not. And there's probably some decisions that need to be made as us, as a family, as a congregation. But we need to start that open discussion about those things now. So I'd invite, if you have a chance, after church today, every Sunday, you know, Try to schedule in some time to sit around, some have some coffee and some open conversation to talk about the future of the church, who we are as a body, and um, what has changed behind us. And we can elaborate on that some more and uh, just talk as a, as a family. So I look forward to doing that with everybody. Um, tomorrow evening at 6 p.m., 
is the uh, Congregation Council meeting. Um, just as a reminder, that is an open forum. If you want to start attending and, and just being there to help guide us, and uh, we look forward to a, a great future together. Thank you. The King James Version of the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Holy Gospel according to Mark. Days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king, and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will live in safety. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in a boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of him. As he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now very late. Send them away, so that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy something for themselves to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. They said to him, Are we to go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves have you? Go and see. When they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he ordered them to get all the people to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and of fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed 
and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And all ate and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. Those who had eaten the loaves numbered five thousand men. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. After saying farewell to them, he went up to the mountain to pray. When evening came, the boat was out on the lake, and he was alone on the land. When he saw that they were straining at the oars against an adverse wind, he came towards them early in the morning, walking on the lake. He intended to pass them by, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Then he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they came to the land at Genesaret and moored the boat. When they got out of the boat, people at once recognized him and rushed about that whole region and began to bring the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages or cities or farms, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch even the fringe of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. The Gospel of the Lord. Good morning again both you here and uh, those listening on the radio over station KATL. You could be listening by uh, uh, being beyond our broadcast area by knowing the right time and clicking on katlradio.com and following the link and they'll be listening in no matter where you are in the world. If you're on the World Wide Web, you can listen. And now by going to our Facebook page and uh, entering First Lutheran Church, Miles City, Montana, You'll see our Facebook page, Like Us, and there you'll see the sermon portion of the uh, uh, morning worship service, and it will be there when Blaine uploads it, and you can click on that at any time. Uh, and you can um, hear again, or you can recommend to someone else uh, our uh, morning uh, sermon devotional time together uh, there on Facebook. That's another new thing for us. Is that called podcasting, Blaine? Is that podcast? Technically, all right. Um, it's, it's a technology that I'm not real familiar with, I freely admit. Uh, so, um, this morning, a couple minutes in the. Unless I'm a little different than what I usually do, but let's begin by making some observations. The, the extended uh, gospel lesson that you heard uh, comes in the aftermath of John the Baptist's death, okay? That's what preceded immediately the text you have there. And uh, recall, if you've been following this summer, just before that, the woman who touched Jesus in the crowd, and he 
startles and says, who touched me? Uh, he perceived that something miraculous had happened. Uh, and the woman confesses that she had touched him, but that she was healed by so doing. And he blesses her for her faith, for her faith. This happens as he's on his way. Remember the miracle inside the miracle? He's on his way to uh, heal or to raise from the dead the little girl. When Jesus arrives there, the folks around Bal say, oh, don't bother him, she's dead. And uh, they scoffed at him and he puts them all out except for the mother and father and the inner three of the disciple, Peter, James, and John. And he says, okay, guys, this is all about faith. Only have faith. He goes in, he tells the little girl, get up, she rises, okay? Uh, that story uh, and then we hear of the death of John the Baptist um, in the aftermath of John the Baptist's death uh, notice and rather than looking at each of these several miracles together what I want you to notice is the pace okay the pace Je- after John the Baptist's death Jesus's pace did not slow down he didn't back off back away say hmm maybe I better think this over a little longer indeed the pace becomes increasingly frenetic in Mark's gospel. Feeds 5,000, walks on water, performs miracle after miracle such that people are just turning out en masse because they knew that just touching him would result. This is all the consequence of faith, okay? Uh, And all compressed into this rapid-fire response uh, to uh, Herod's play. Herodias's play through Herod uh, to silence John the Baptist. Now what's interesting, Jesus eclipses John. We know that. We believe that. Jesus eclipses John and it appears too from this text that, that uh, knowledge of that brought John some comfort as he languished uh, in Herod's dungeon there to contemplate what comes next. <laughs> and, and so, as we've said Think of Mark as the uh, Cliff's Note version of the Gospels. Then what we need to do, just briefly, is take a look at Luke and Matthew for a little bit of insight here. Mark is moving quickly, but uh, Luke and Matthew provide this insight into uh, the event where John the Baptist sends a couple of his disciples to ask Jesus, and John's in prison, to ask Jesus, are you the one who is to come or should we look for another? Okay, John is in prison, but he just wants to know. He knows what his likely fate is. He just wants to hear it. You know, have I, have I done what I was sent to do? Or has this all been in vain? Are you the one to come or should we look for another? And Jesus' reply. You notice Jesus never seems to give a straight answer. He never says yes or no. He'll say, well, I'll ask you a question. Okay, Jesus' response to John's disciples who show up and ask him was this. Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. The poor have good news preached to them. Blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. Jesus was in a race, and John was slowing down, and John would be silenced. Jesus would keep running. His time was not finished. And so he says, John, take no offense, but I'm the one. 
I'm the one. So, blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. He didn't want John to feel either offended or dismissed. Rather than saying the time was near as John did, Jesus' purpose was to announce that the time was fulfilled. And so Jesus quoted, if you picked up on that answer, Isaiah. Jesus quoted the prophet Isaiah in answering John's question. Now, I suspect, I don't know, but I suspect that John's disciples probably weren't as sharp as John in terms of the scripture, and they may well have just been the message carriers, but they went and told John what Jesus had said. John would have known. huh? John went, oh, you know, he's quoting the prophet. He is the Messiah. And Jesus gave evidence of that through the transparent portals of his miracles. Remember I've said, now, what are miracles? We're, you know, we read about, about, a lot about miracles here. Uh, and, and what are miracles? I suggest you, submit to you, that miracles are actually windows. Okay? They are portals through which we're meant to see the kingdom of God that lies beyond. Don't get stuck looking at the window. <laughs> Otherwise, the window is not achieving its purpose. A portal, a window, is meant so that we can see something even better, greater, beyond itself. And so the miracles are portals through which we can see the kingdom of God out there. Okay? Jesus also spoke in very prophetic terms, and yet they were profoundly hopeful words to people. And those, those words were hopeful because they're born of faith. Faith in Jesus. Faith that heals sick people that raised the dead. Whether considering the woman who had suffered for 12 years but was healed when she just touched his garment, or the parents of that 12-year-old girl I mentioned a minute ago, faith was the key. Do not doubt, only believe. He dismisses the woman, go, your faith has made you well. Today's reading ends, as many as touched his garments were made well. Okay? The Christian faith teaches that Jesus did this by taking upon himself all of humanity's collective guilt and sin. This is a theological statement at one level, but it's a personal statement at another level. He took upon himself your sin, my sin, our sin, our denomination's sin, okay? The sin of the world. He who was not guilty allowed himself to be paid off in the wages of sin. And that was death. The late Lutheran pastor Walter Wangren wrote a, a short story uh, that really, I think, enlightens and speaks in relatively contemporary uh, words this theological uh, truth that I, I'm trying to describe. Now, Wangren was born in 1944, so he's a little older than me, and yet his works were so simple and direct that they, were, they rapidly became kind of classics, particularly within the Lutheran community. Um, and in fact, among his works are, are the words that we use on Good Friday, the narrative that goes on, okay? He wrote those. Now, um, I'm going to read to you a short story that he wrote. It's very brief, and its setting is uh, in the an, an inner city. Okay, an inner city. This, in terms of time, is probably the late '60s to early mid '70s. 
Okay, it's a time I'm familiar with. The inner city. Uh, I grew up in the inner city, and I recall the ragmen that populated the inner city where I grew up. We had ragmen. Okay, and uh, I so I remember them from my own youth. But when I first encountered this story, I was in college, about 1972, okay? And I was in college, and at the time I was a student, but I was also a police officer in that same inner city. And so I knew the alleyways of which Weingren wrote intimately. And as a child, uh, we knew there were ragmen that we could see from time to time traveling the alleys, and we would... Uh, uh, they were they fit a pattern. They were old. <laughs> they were typically fairly well bent over. They always pushed or pulled a cart of wood with usually oversized wheels on them up and down the alleys. And we children traveled the alleys on our bicycles. Okay, we traveled the alleys, and we would make fun of the ragmen. Always at a safe distance, we were faster than they were on our bicycles. Those same bicycles would also see us following behind the mosquito spraying trucks. Those vintage, you know, leftover World War II Jeeps with giant motors mounted to the back of them that blasted through a pipe about this big around what I'm sure was DDT. And we followed close behind because it was like driving through a cloud. It was wonderful as part of my youth. Explain to some of my kids. Uh, and so I, I was drawn to this, and I first encountered it, uh, the story of the ragman, when I was in college. Do you guys remember reading reserve rooms in the library where they didn't have enough copies for everybody, and so they would put several copies on reserve in the library. You had to go there, you had to read it. Well, it was, a, uh, it was in a manila folder, the short story, because it's so brief, and they had several copies, and after I read it, I stole a copy out of the library. I still have it. It's in my desk this very minute, the stolen copy from Capital University's uh, library, 1974. Um, I shared this this morning. <laughs> I had a school librarian in the congregation over at the VA. That didn't work so well. She went, you stole it? Yeah. Had the 10-year-old daughter sitting there. I did. It impressed me this much. Both as um, part of my life experience as a child and then my vocational experience as a police officer, I knew these alleys, these people. Okay? Um, and so I offer for your hearing Ragman. Ragman captures the memories of my youth and it is told as if to a child. I saw a strange sight. I stumbled upon a story most strange. Like nothing my life, my street sense, my sly tongue had ever prepared me for. So, hush. Hush, child, now and I will tell you the story. Even before dawn, one Friday morning, I noticed a young man, handsome, strong, walking the alleys of our city. He was pulling an old cart 
filled with clothes, both bright and new. And he was calling in this clear tenor voice, Rags! Oh, the air was foul, and the first light filthy, to be crossed by such sweet music. Rags! New rags for old! I take your old rags, rags! This is a wonder, I thought, to myself. For the man stood six feet four, and his arms were like tree limbs, hard, muscular, and his eyes flashed intelligence. Could he find no better job than this to be a ragman in the inner city? I followed him. My curiosity drove me, and I wasn't disappointed. Soon, the ragman saw a woman sitting on her back porch. She was sobbing into a handkerchief, sighing and shedding a thousand tears. Her knees and her elbows made a sad X. Her shoulders shook and her, her heart was breaking. The ragman stopped his cart. Quietly, he walked to the woman, stepping around tin cans, dead toys, pampers. Give me your rag, he said gently, and I'll give you another. He slipped the handkerchief from her eyes, and she looked up, and he laid across her palm a linen cloth so clean so new that it shined. She blinked from the gift to the giver. And then, as he began to pull his cart again, the ragman did a strange thing. He put her stained handkerchief to his own face, and he began to weep, to sob as grievously as she had done, and his big shoulders shaking. Yet she was left without a tear. Well, this is a wonder. I breathed to myself, so I, I followed the sobbing ragman, like a child who could not turn away from some mystery. Rags! Rags! New rags for old. In a little while, when the sky showed gray, behind the rooftops and I could see the shredded curtains hanging out black windows the ragmen came upon a girl whose head was wrapped in a bandage whose eyes were empty blood soaked her bandage and a single line of blood ran down her cheek now the tall ragman looked upon this child with pity and he drew a lovely yellow bonnet from his cart give me your rag he said tracing his own line on her cheek and I'll give you mine 
the child could only gaze at him while he loosened the bandage and removed it, tied it to his own head. The bonnet he sat on hers. And I gasped at what I saw, for with the bandage went the wound. Against his brow it ran a darker, more substantial flow, his own. Rags, rags, I take old rags, cried the sobbing, bleeding, strong, intelligent ragman. The sun hurt both the sky now and my eyes. The ragman seemed to move more and more with hurry. Are you going to work? He asked a man who leaned against a telephone pole. The man shook his head. The ragman pressed him. Do you have a job? Are you crazy? Sneered the other. He pulled away from the pole, revealing the right sleeve of his jacket. Flat the cuff stuffed into a pocket because he had no arm. So, said the ragman, give me your jacket and I'll give you mine. Such quiet authority in his voice. The one-armed man took off his jacket, so did the ragman, and I trembled at what I saw, for the ragman's arm stayed in its sleeve, and when the other put it on, he had two good arms, thick as tree limbs, but the ragman had only one. Go to work, he said. After that, he found a drunk. A drunk lying unconscious beneath an army blanket. An old man, hunched, hunched, weazened, and sick. He took that blanket and wrapped it around himself. But for the drunk, he left new clothes. And now I had to run to keep up with the ragman. Though he was weeping uncontrollably, bleeding freely at the forehead, pulling his cart with one arm, stumbling for drunkenness, falling again and again, exhausted, old, old, old and sick. Yet he went with terrible speed. On spider legs he skittered through our alleys, the alleys of our city, this mile, the next, till he came to its limits and then he rushed beyond and I wept to see the change in this man I hurt to see his sorrow and yet I needed to see where he was going in such haste perhaps to know what drove him so 
the little old rag man, he came to a landfill. He came to the garbage pits. And then I wanted to help him in what he did, but I hung back, hiding. He climbed a hill. With tormented labor, he cleared a little space on that hill. Then he sighed. He lay down. He pillowed his head on a handkerchief and a jacket. He covered his bones with an army blanket. And he died. Oh, how I cried to witness that death. I slumped into a junk car and wailed and mourned as one who has no hope because I had come to love the ragman. Every other face had faded in the wonder of this man and I cherished him. But he died I sobbed myself to sleep. I did not know, how could I know, that I slept through Friday night and Saturday and it's night too. But then, on Sunday morning, I was awakened by a violence, light, pure, hard, demanding light slammed against my sour face and I blinked and I looked and I saw the last and first wonder of all there was the ragman folding the blanket most carefully a scar on his forehead but alive and beside that healthy there was no sign of sorrow nor of age and all the rags that he had gathered shine for their cleanliness. Well, then I lowered my head and trembling for all that I had seen, I myself walked up to the rag man. I told him my name with shame, for I was a sorry figure next to him. Then I took off all my clothes in that place and I said to him with dear yearning in my voice, Dress me. He dressed me. My Lord, he put new rags on me. And I am a wonder beside him. The rag man. The rag man. The Christ. We hope you've enjoyed this production of the First Lutheran Church. We welcome you to visit us in person at 512 Kale Avenue. You can also find us on Facebook at First Lutheran Church, Miles City, Montana, and email us at flc at midrivers.com.